Welcome to Living Through the Word, the official podcast of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America. I'm Julian Dobbs, the diocesan bishop, and I'm so pleased that you've joined me today. On this podcast, we have different guests from across the diocese and the global Anglican Church to discuss topics that matter to you, your ministry, and following Jesus. And today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Bishop Dan Gifford. Dan is the diocesan bishop of the Anglican Network in Canada, consecrated as bishop on February the 2nd, 2022. I was there for that, Dan, wasn't I? It was great to be together. He was previously the vicar of St. John's, Vancouver, serving with David Short, who is the rector of that parish and also a friend of this diocese. Uh, Dan graduated from Whitliffe College in Toronto in 1990. He was ordained to the priesthood in 1991, and he served at numerous parishes uh, in his ministry. He and his wife, Catherine, met at St. John's and married in 2001, and they have two sons. I consider Dan a personal friend. My brother, I'm thrilled uh, to have you with us today. You are very welcome. Wonderful to be with you. And uh, yeah, you got everything correct on my on my CV there. Well, there you Except go. That shows how much uh, your information online is accurate about you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I've invited Bishop Dan uh, to join us for what we've called the Bishop's Book Club as we make our way through Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. But before we get to the book, Dan, tell us just a little bit about how you came to follow Jesus and then something about the Anglican Network in Canada. Well, that's a good question. Um, I I came to follow Jesus because my parents were Christians. And there was never a time in my life where I did not know that Jesus was Lord over all things, created all things, created me, and redeemed me as well um, through the forgiveness of sins. It was just part of my life as early back as, as I can remember. And um, uh, I... When I look back, I think that uh, it was a great gift to have parents who loved the Lord, who we would pray together at night and uh, and sing and read the Bible. And I, uh, you know, as my memory goes way, way back, uh, it is always with this understanding that Jesus was a living God who was very close to me and um, had done this great gift. I always understood myself to be his child and had placed my faith in him. Now, that doesn't make for a very spectacular sort of um, testimony, but I think that um, where things get dicey is, is you know, where we're going with, with Pilgrim's Progress is there are so many um, temptations to go away from the way that mm-hmm. you have been put on that I had been put on. And I do feel as though there were a couple other conversions for me, not just the conversion as early as I can remember of knowing and trusting in the Lord Jesus, but also a conversion of, of making that faith my own as well. When I was 16, I remember being in a, uh, a youth uh, weekend and, and uh, saying, through the teachings of what was happening that weekend in my own Bible reading, knowing that this was true, that God's word was true, that the Lord Jesus uh, died for me and that my life belonged to him. And 
you know, there was there was uh, a sense of taking on the faith that my parents had passed on to me, had surrounded me with, in a sense, taking that on for myself as a teenager. And that really meant being uh, much more committed to the life of the church and, you know, taking a very active role in it through the youth group and through small groups and so forth. Um, then there, there was a marked change in my life with that, with a, a, a really a commitment to God's people. Um, and then there was a third conversion, I really think, when I was about 21, where it became clear to me that um, it was important for me not only to be committed to God's church, you know, to be part of the fellowship and and take part in this, but to actually serve him, to be about his mission, to be about his cause. And it was at that point that I I really committed myself to a life of um, of serving him in however he would have me serve him. And in my case, it just it it happened that through uh, leading youth ministry and and youth camps and um, leading small groups and so forth, um, being involved in campus ministries, um, that it eventually turned into um, ordained ministry as well. So, you know, I did feel like there was a commitment to Christ, a conversion to Christ, a conversion to the life of his church to his people and a conversion then to to ministry and serving him that took place so that's that's kind of the 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 short form of my my testimony and yeah, um, of your pilgrimage right that's uh, ongoing and we'll pick that up just tell us a little bit about anik you're the diocesan bishop of the anglican network in canada please tell yeah. us about that um, yeah, that's uh, it, it. It probably should be named something else. It's not really a network; it's a diocese, and mm. uh, but it is. It it covers all of Canada. It's fairly very thinly spread. We have around seventy churches, and started very early on, uh, two thousand eight. It became a diocese, but it had a, its roots in what was called an essentials movement in Canada. Very concerned about the direction the Anglican Church was going away from the gospel again, away from the authority of God's word. And so this was um, this was really the outworking of many many years. Uh, we also in the diocese of New Westminster in Vancouver was the beginning of the crisis, uh, which led to uh, realignment in the Anglican Communion. And so you know there was a lot of work to try to realign and to see if we could have alternative Episcopal oversight and then to be connected to other other dioceses. And in the end, we ended up coming under. Um, South America and um, Greg Venables. And then we ended up becoming part of the Anglican Church of North America in God's providence. So we are a very widespread, includes all of Canada. It's probably one of the biggest geographical dioceses in the world. In the world, and, uh, yeah. So there's and lots of bishop. That's really impressive, Dan. Isn't that? Isn't that? <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have that many people, but we got a lot of land. <laughs> Well, that's great. Thank you uh, for sharing that. Let's turn to Pilgrim's Progress, a book that has been uh, printed, read, and translated more than any book other than the Bible. Millions of Christians have cherished author John Bunyan's allegorical tale of the journey of Christian on his epic adventure as he leaves his home in the city of destruction and begins a lifelong quest towards the celestial city. 
Um, I remember Dan the first time I read this book. I'm I'm crying at the end as da- as 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 Pilgrim journeys into the celestial city. It's set against the backdrop of a hazardous journey, a powerful drama unfolding as Christian's adventures lead him into fascinating lands and encounters with interesting people. We'll mention some of them today. Some of them help him. Some of them hinder his progress along a narrow way. Uh, and memorable characters and visits to colourful uh, places. Um, Dan, you've no doubt read this many times. Your your initial thoughts about Pilgrim's Progress? Oh, it's wonderful for for growing in Christ. You know, it it really it's it's a timeless work and so so um, helpful in growing in your Christian life. Yeah, it starts out with we find Christian realizing he's in trouble and looking for help. Um, that's that, that's a challenge for many people, isn't it? Because um, sometimes we don't recognize that that we we need help. Oh, absolutely. And you know, in fact, what what his problem is is the fact that he recognizes that uh, sin is a central problem in his life and in mm. our society. And I think we buy into this as well as Christians. We don't take sin that seriously, uh, and and he has this intense. Uh, kind of a revelation and understanding of the uh, of the weight of that sin in his life, and the effect on on his life and his future. So, yeah, there's a there's a crisis for him because of that. In a sense, it's a good crisis because there's a recognition of what sin truly is. Yeah, in the early in the early passages, he he meets evangelist. Uh, and and evangelist says to him, and I'll read it, uh, may I ask why you are so disturbed? And he says, sir, I understand from this book I hold in my hand that I am condemned to die, and after that to come to judgment, and I'm not willing to do the first nor able to do the second. I mean, he's, 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 he, he knows something's not right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there is this and there's this direction that the evangelist gives. He says, I don't know where to go. And he says, right from God's word, he says, well, flee from the wrath to come. Mm, And mm. there is this sense of just needing to get out of that situation. Yeah, he says to him, do you see that little gate yonder on the far side of the field? And and Pilgrim says, no. And and, and then he says, do you see the, the tiny shining light? And he says, I think so. And then he's told, keep your eye on that light. And you will go straight to the little gate at which, when you knock, you'll be told what you must do. I mean, it's a beautiful picture for us, isn't it? In the midst of all the challenges of of the world, to keep our eye on the light, on Jesus. And Dan and Bishop Dan and I are recording this uh, in Advent, which also uh, great pictures of, of the light that came and the light that is to come. And what do you think about that, Bishop? Well, I think that that... You know the wonderful thing about this is it's it's not just the realization of the 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 essence of sin, which is being under God's wrath. Um, it's in a sense that's an intolerable and 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 you just can't stand that um, the weight of that sin in a sense. But it's not just recognizing that; it's recognizing where you are going, and that it's it, that it's seeing that this is actually in the context of realizing his sin is this revelation that there is the place to go, and it is that light, it is the Lord Jesus himself. And, and it is that understanding of Jesus 
that Advent is calling us to. It's saying, you know, to throw away, throw off the works of darkness is what we say in our in our um, colic for Advent, and to put on the armor of light. And Advent is actually calling us to understand our whole life in the light of of Jesus coming again, and the light of His inheritance that he has for us as Christians as well, which really shapes us and is the is the is the thing which our lives are meant to be oriented around this hope we have in Christ, which the evangelist is leading him to. Yeah, I think that's very powerful. He does he does start gazing to heaven at one stage. You know, he gets tripped up by a couple of characters, uh, obstinate um and pliable. Um, uh, Bunyan's got great names for all these people. I, I often think about how I fit into so many of these characters um, uh, in my life. Uh, and obstinate and pliable sort of trip him up a wee bit, but he's looking to heaven. And um, there's a wonderful passage. Let me uh, just read some of it to you and to those who are listening. Christian says, when he thinks about heaven, uh, we shall be with the seraphim and the cherubim, uh, dazzling beings to see. Uh, and there also we shall meet with thousands and tens of thousands of the redeemed of this earth who have gone on before us to that happy land, all of them pure and good, everyone walking in holiness and enjoying the presence of the king forever. In a word, there we will see elders wearing their golden crowns and holy virgins with their golden harps. And there we will be, tra uh, will be transformed men who by the world were cut in pieces or burned in flames or fed to wild beasts or drowned in the sea because of their love for the Lord of the kingdom, all well and clothed with immortal bodies as with a spotless garment. I love the way Bunyan uh, yeah. and many of the reformers uh, and hymn writers point us to heaven. I mean, Wesley does this later, change from glory into glory till in heaven, we take our place. And I, I don't know about you, Bishop, but for me, I, I get a little nervous that, that we don't talk about heaven enough on our pilgrim. What do you think well, about that? <laughs> well, that's absolutely right. I and mean, I think this is a call for us. And, you know, one of the great things about Banyan and the, and the great, great writers is that they, they are able to describe um, goodness in a way that is exciting. You know, somebody like Tolkien does that too, but he is describing the greatest good, which is heaven, life with the Lord Jesus in such a beautiful and compelling way, which I found really important because our imaginations as Christians are meant to be filled with this vision for heaven. It deeply affects who we are now. It makes us far more effective as lights in this world, as those who serve the Lord Jesus, if we if we have that vision of heaven. I thought of the great, um, uh, the, the, the famous quote from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, in which he said, he said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next world. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. Mm. Isn't that great? I mean, that and, and that is very, very true. This is what the scriptures call us to. And, and of course, he, um, a Christian also 
refers to first Peter in speaking about the inheritance we have in the Lord Jesus. And that is uppermost in his mind as he is making this journey. This is what makes that journey effective. And this is what strengthens him for that journey and keeps him faithful and helps him to persevere is, is having that, that understanding of heaven that is before him very much at the forefront of his mind. So Bishop, as he as he journeys with that in his mind, and those that what a powerful picture you've brought to us there, he discovers some things. And 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 one of those is mercy, uh, yeah. the mercy of God. Just talk to us a little bit about that and and how you see that in these these uh these opening words uh of the of the chapter. Well, I you know, I, I was quite struck by that because uh in what happens during this chapter one is that he he gets taken in by you know worldly wise men and uh he, he he's going in a different direction and he's really concerned he's he's sad about that he realized he's made this big mistake and gone off this path and evangelist comes and joined him you know uh, this this christian who's feeling quite ashamed and um uh and he says, you know, is there any any way, you know, I can I can get out from this? He said, uh, um, I I followed bad advice. Um, you know, what's going to happen to me? And at the very end, and I guess I'm jumping here. He, the evangelist says he says to them, you know, yes, your your sin is great in turning away from the right path. And, you know, he says, you're really, you're right in saying, asking the question, may my sins be forgiven? And Evangelist says, well, your sin is very great, right at the very end. It involves two evils. You forsook the right way, and then you walked in a forbidden path. But, and this is the way this chapter ends, it says, the man at the gate will receive you, for he has great mercy and goodwill for all mankind. Isn't and that so reassuring, Bishop Dan? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm struck by I, I probably many of these many of your listeners are um of our listeners here today are Anglican. And that understanding of mercy is really quite prominent and, and central in our liturgy. You know, in the communion mm -hmm. service that mm -hmm. we have, if you are going through that um on Sunday, go think about God's mercy. And how how it is repeated and emphasized in Cranmer's liturgy, it's quite a powerful thing. And if you are in, um, if you are in sort of Advent or Lent, and your uh, and the service leader says we're going to look at the Decalogue, doing the whole Ten Commandments, which we are meant to do regularly, you go through each of the commandments, and what is the response that the people have? Um, to each commandment. It is, Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep your law. Uh, and then, of course, we if you say the Kyrie, you're saying, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy. And then when we get into the um, confession of sins, mm. it, is, it is very, very clear there what um, what is happening. Because when we when we confess we we confess to most merciful god and that and we we ask god for the sake of jesus have mercy on us and forgive us and then the minister in the um 
in the absolution says, our heavenly father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins. He that goes on to say, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you. And that's followed by those comfortable words, you know, those words of mercy, mercy, uh, words of assurance for us from Matthew and from John and from Timothy and from John. Um, and then the, the, the service itself, the, the, the communion prayer, it, it, uh, it talks all about the mercy of God. Uh, in your mercy, you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. Uh, it is in his mercy that this happens. And then we close the service um, with the Gloria. If it's the 1662, if you're you're doing it at the beginning of the service, if you're using uh, another order. But in that Gloria, we are, we are praising God for who he is. We're giving thanks uh, for the great benefits that we have received at his hands. And then we, uh, we, we pray, we ask for God's mercy for us twice uh, in that passage. It's, it's as though it's repeated for us. And um, uh, I, I was, when I was reading um, this first chapter, I love the way that everything kind of culminated in that, in that chapter with a reminder to us and to Christian that the property, as we said in the, in, in the, um, uh, uh, in the prayer of humble access, the property of God, his character, his essence is to have mercy. And that's what we see at the end mm. here. He has mm. great mercy and he has goodwill for all mankind. It's so powerful that, isn't it? Listen, listen to what a Christian says. He says, is there any hope for me? May I now go back, take up where I left off and go on to the wicked gate? Or shall I be abandoned uh, for this unfaithfulness and sent away from the gate in shame? I am sincerely sorry that I've heeded this man's worldly counsel and turned away from the right path but may my sins be forgiven. And you've reminded us of that beautiful invitation Jesus gives. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, that's a gift that Cramner gives us from the scriptures in our liturgical services, um, as you've said. Uh, it's a reminder that when we, we do slip, um, and fall away. There is a path back, Bishop Dan, isn't there, to the Lord. We don't have to feel condemned forever um, uh, because Jesus issues this invitation to come back. Can you help us in our in our practical life, think about in our in our um devotional life, how how we can come back if like pilgrim we've slipped away? Well, I think you know that one of the gifts of this passage is that. Um, it actually helps us to see that the mercy of God is, is far greater than our greatest sin. Mm. But there is a great importance in recognizing our sin, in, in admitting and discerning the sin that we have in us. We don't actually fully understand or appreciate the mercy of God mm. until we see the, uh, the enormity of our own sin which is a part of our maturity in Christ. So I think it's very important for us to be able to 
and, and Advent and Lent really help us with this, to examine ourselves and to see what Christian did here, that he is a sinner, and to, and to do that in the context and knowledge of the mercy of, of, of God, the mercy of God in, in Jesus Christ who died for us, uh, for the sins of the world. You know, the, the, one of the things that Jim Packer would say is the thing that he wanted most for people to know through all of his ministry and his works was for the world to know the joy of the forgiveness of sins. And, um, and I think that this is, you know, practically speaking, we as Anglicans do this too. We can, we confess our sins every day in that liturgy in our, in our own life. And I, I would, uh, you know, I guess counsel people to really take seriously that reflection and what we are saying in our confession and to consciously, um, name in our hearts what that sin is against God's people, against people outside the church, against God himself and what we do, uh, and to be able to um, to name those in our heart and, and at that same time to see God's deep, deep mercy for us uh, in it, because that's the strength for our repentance. Repentance is always a gift from God. And I think that in seeing that God is merciful, that his property is always to have mercy, there is this strength in turning to him in our own repentance. So I do think Advent calls us, uh, let those two especially, to that everyday um, reflection on our own sin, which, is a, which will be a strength for us if we are able to do that, to be able to carve out time to do that because you will appreciate the depth and, and beauty of God's mercy uh, as you do that as well. Bishop Dan Gifford has, has uh, introduced uh, Pilgrim's progress to us, Christian on this pilgrimage towards the celestial city. He's spoken about uh, the richness of finding God's mercy, and we've mentioned a couple of times in this episode uh, our Anglican liturgical order. Uh, if that's something that's new to you, you can go to the Anglican uh, Church of North America's website, look at the Book of Common Prayer 2019, and online there is an order there that you can look at. If you would like a copy of the Book of Common Prayer 1662, which Bishop Dan's referred to, uh, if you make contact with our office, uh, we will make sure you have access to one of those. Um, and the uh, way to do that will be in the show notes of this program Bishop Dan, thank you so much for being with us. I wonder before we close, if you might lead us and those listening in a word of prayer. I would love to. I would love to. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Father in heaven, we thank you for the mercy that and your kindness that you show to this world. We thank you that you so love the world that you gave your only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us that all who have faith in him, whoever would believe in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for those words from our Lord Jesus. And we pray that as we live a life of following Jesus, and as you call people who may be listening to this into a new life of following Jesus, that uh, you pour your love into our hearts, that you show us in your word uh, your deep mercy for us, and that uh, in our own examining of ourselves, that you will give us grace to be able to see 
what it is that we need to turn away from as Christian was in this, in this passage, what we flee away from. And Father, give us grace in uh, seeking Jesus, who is our light, who is our gate, our way, the truth, and the life. Father, fill us with a vision of heaven, the gift of Jesus coming again in glory, which all will see one day, and this new heaven and new earth that awaits us in the Lord Jesus. May that vision Fill our hearts and our minds, strengthen us to live for you faithfully in this world, being lights in an often dark world for the sake of the glory of Jesus Christ. May your blessing be upon each of these, your dear people who are listening, so that they will follow you faithfully and know the joy of your salvation in this Advent and coming Christmas season. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Bishop Dan Gifford from the Anglican Network in Canada. We'll continue with Christian on his Pilgrim's Progress on the next episode of the Bishop's Book Club. Bishop Alec Farmer will be with me, and he'll be picking up his thoughts as we continue to journey towards the celestial city. This is Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. Mm -hmm.